That's Lauren. And that's Lachlan. And this is We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Each episode, we're going to reread a chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief, and talk about it. It's a deep dive analysis, so it's a little more complex than just talking about it. Okay, fine. No need to go all daughter of Athena on me. Either way, grab your nectar and ambrosia and settle in for this episode of... We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. Hi, my name is Lauren. And I'm Lachlan. And this is We Accidentally Vaporized Our Podcast. On today's episode, we are talking about Chapter 11, We Visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. Good stuff, good stuff. I'm excited for this chapter. It's a fun one. It is a fun one. I mean, there are gardens, there are gnomes, it's an emporium. How is it not fun? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that's all all you need for a great day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I love garden gnomes for uh, my grandpa's birthday. I got him one from the college we go to. It's called Jerry. Jerry the Garden Gnome. You got the garden gnome? I've always wanted to get the garden gnome. Oh, I got the garden gnome. Oh, dude, I might have to get the garden gnome. It's like a graduation present for myself. <laughs> it's com- it comes named. I didn't just name him Jerry with a G, oh but it comes named Jerry with a G. It's Jerry with a G. That's so cute. Jerry with a G. That's so cute. I love that. All right. Well, unfortunately, there are no Jerry's in this chapter. But we do oh, have a Jersey, okay. New Jersey. Jersey with a J, though. Jersey with a J, yes. Jersey with a J. <laughs> Which is where this chapter takes place. Oh, yeah. After the giant bus, bus crash of chapter 10. Yeah. You just really end on a high note there and then just went straight into action again with this chapter. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... So we left off with them running into the woods. They don't have their stuff anymore because it all got blown up you know lack of fanny packs and all that like we discussed last time you need the packs and now they're just in the woods it's it's sometime at the night right it's like like really late at night when the yeah because they had said that they the last episode the last chapter they ended Mm -hmm. that they were there was nothing but like darkness ahead so it implied that it was night and then the way that they're talking at least it feels like nighttime Mm -hmm. or at least like late nighttime yeah you, I mean, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> I love how now stating a fact that we confirmed is correct is still dumb. No, I mean, just in general. I feel like we all <laughs> are speaking dumb. All right. Well, I love how this chapter starts out where Percy basically says, like, the good, the good thing about knowing the Greek gods are out there is that when your life completely sucks, you have someone to blame it on. <laughs> I did write a comment to that. I'm like, yeah, that is awesome. It's kind of nice yeah. to like, think about that. Mm-hmm. Instead of just like, wow, I have really bad luck. It's like, no, there are external forces at work that hate me. And that's why mm-hmm. my life sucks. It's not because of me. people get out of religion? Like, Might be, but... The whole thing of like, like God's plan, like it's all fine because it's all going to work out in the end. Um, I'm going to be honest. I do not wish to discuss religion right now. That's fine. Um, that's fine. We're gonna skip past that. <laughs> but but yeah, so there you go. So so the thing, important thing is to keep in mind if random hag demon ladies fight you on a bus, that bus gets blown up, and then you're running around the woods with nothing, it's not just because you have bad luck, it's because there are people out to get you. Those people exactly. are gods. Exactly. You're being targeted because of your father. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And poor Grover is traumatized just because he doesn't have a weapon. 
he doesn't have a weapon. He talks about the, the three kindly ones, all three at once. And he's stressed out. And Percy's also really upset. And Ambeth is just dragging him through the woods. Like, the further away we get, like, the safer we'll be. We just got to keep going. Percy has the rational thought of, we just lost all our money, all our clothes, everything. Mm-hmm. And Annabeth is, like, angry at Percy for jumping into the fight. Which I think is really interesting. The fact that, like, she might have died there, but she's more upset that he jumped in to save her. And at first, when I was reading it, like, I always feel like that's her pride speaking. Like, I don't need you. You're some mm-hmm. nobody who has two days of camp training. You, I don't need to rely on you. But it's also the fact that if Percy died, the quest is over, which is like, first of all, a little psycho, Annabeth. Um, that's a little- I feel like little... if he died, they couldn't just leave and go back to camp. I feel like they would have to continue. Like Percy dying, yes, it would be bad. But at the same time, the whole world is at stake here. So I feel like she and Grover would still need to continue on. They would just they be like- Exactly. They, they would get questions later and they'd be like, well, you know, we thought to ourselves, what would Percy want us to do? So we trudged on and we buried down our feelings of regret and upset and pain and our grief. And we turned that into anger and we went straight to Hades and got the lightning bolt back. It's like day 10, they come back to camp after dropping off the bolt and everyone's like, why is it just the two of you? And they're like, oh yeah, we lost Percy like day one. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, like- Percy died day one, but we didn't have time to tell you guys. So we just, <laughs> we just had to keep on going. I guess you go a, collect the body now. It's fine. He's in a better place. He's with his mom. <laughs> he's happy. Yeah. I also love Grover's food reference of they would be sliced like sandwiched bread if Percy hadn't jumped in to help him and Annabeth. Yeah. <laughs> Good imagery, Grover. Someone mm-hmm. has been paying attention in English class. Yeah, and he's and he's so sad about the loss of his cans. Yes, he is. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, a good bag. I mean, all he has were those cans and his reed pipes, which he kept. Yeah, he does still have his reed pipes. He does still have those. Um, Annabeth also reveals that she has been at Camp Half Blood since she was seven. She has not left it except for short field trips. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also par- she hasn't been at regular school since she was seven years old, and I don't think yeah. that they have an like a legitimate school like normal american school at camp yeah so i bet like like annabeth is genius and everyone thinks she's super smart and then they'll be like what's the mitochondria and she's like what the what's a mitochondria like she wouldn't know like the The one thing everyone in our generation knows exactly it's the powerhouse of the cell Mm -hmm. like i i could see annabeth like not knowing like yeah she knows like so much of this like high intelligence stuff but it's sort of like have you ever seen um uh sherlock on bbc there's one mm-hmm. episode where it turns where he reveals that he doesn't know that the earth revolves around the sun oh, because yeah. he's just like why would i need to know that information um or like she knows who made the uh who made the mount rushmore but doesn't know where it is mm-hmm. oh. i i that's how i picture annabeth like she doesn't know the basic basic stuff but knows so much else yeah well she also points out that while she loves Camp Haplin and it's her home all she does there is train and train and it's the real world that they're out in now where you finally find out if you're any good or not and Percy says that the way she says it sounds like she's doubting herself a bit and I'm thinking no 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 don't doubt yourself Annabeth you're the only person here with the weapon and like who actually like really knows how to use it we need you to be good for the sake of the other two 
Yes, and if, I, and if I, you're the ringer in this situation, we yeah, you are the one. It's really all on you, sweetie. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's why sometimes hate about like fantasy and certain movies and stuff where it involves like a chosen one where it's like the chosen one shows up and is like I, I watched the matrix the other day and it's like they're like neo you're our only hope and neo didn't know what was going on the whole time mm-hmm. and that's what it's like at first he like he's like oh you're the best of the best you're the only one we can rely on and it's like but he's been here for two days and he knows nothing like I yeah. I, I want a chosen one who has been training for years who actually knows their stuff and stepped up and is doing it like that's I would rather have that because that's way more realistic than hey we found this kid passed out on our porch I bet he's the next chosen one <laughs> no I agree I will I would like to something something like that where the person has grown up in that world and knows what's going on and so they're able to deal with things in a different way and not have to figure it out as they go exactly course- there was um what oh it was a the one of the Cassandra Clare series yes. the main character it was the first time that uh, the main character had grown up in the universe and I like that character more than the other yeah ones. no I, she has two two series now the the last one that just ended in the current one she's doing now everyone has like, yes. grown up in it so yeah no I I do like reading it from that aspect but that but of course though she's already like this this is her fourth series now I believe within this whole world so you yes. as the reader already know what's going on Whereas I think if you, we were to start off with like say Percy, if he was in a situation had like grown up or if it was like based around Annabeth, we would have, the reader would have no idea what was going on. Yeah. So having someone being dropped into the world brand new makes it a little bit easier to guide the reader through it than someone who already knows what's going on and that's your first time experiencing it. Yeah, so. true. Thank you for making that, for that. No, because it, it makes sense. I, I know that sounded a little sarcastic, mm-hmm. but no, that, that made sense yeah. and it's like, I forgot that that's why you like have to introduce character to a world. Yeah, Thank you so much. yeah, like like you can drop all that time of explaining if you're already several series in and everyone kind of knows what's exactly. What's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Grover, like, like, oh, like you said, Gro- like, like you said earlier, Grover does have his reed pipes and he's gonna play a pathfinding song to help them figure their way around. But it sounds suspiciously like Hillary Duff. Also, and- have. I, I love the idea that Grover has magic in his reed pipes and I want to know is it like magic reed pipes or is it like the song that makes magic or is it like he's the magic mm. I played as the dragon so basically Grover's a bard to me now and I love that um mm. and he's a bard that only knows two songs and like half a spell yeah um, well Percy, I, either way it doesn't work because Percy immediately runs into a tree which I always forget that happens. And I, I just really find, I always find it really funny that it's like the middle of the night and Percy's like, we'll be fine. And then turns and walks immediately into a tree. Mm-hmm. Just like, <laughs> like full confidence walking. He isn't thinking about like, maybe I should have my hands in front of my face so I don't walk into, no, he just walks straight into that tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also it says after tripping and cursing and generally feeling miserable, and so this part right here and comes up a lot in these books. They're 12 and they're cursing. This is what made me think cursing was cool and it is why I am the way I am today. Sorry, mom. <laughs> I, I want to know, is Percy actually cursing or is he going like, oh, dang, dumb it. <laughs> I mean, Annabeth definitely is th- throwing some words out there. I don't know about Percy, but uh, yeah, Annabeth no. goes hardcore. Let, let's be real. Annabeth is the one full on cursing and Percy is like, gosh, garlic, 
gosh darn it um <laughs> and then when annabeth curses he's like <gasps> sally said i wasn't allowed to curse i support that i support that right. um yeah so they keep walking they're they get hungry and Percy's hungry for like terrible terrible fast food which i love and i relate mm -hmm. because apparently at camp ha camp half blood they eat grapes bread cheese and extra lean nymph prepared barbecue which i want to know what type of meat it is it does not specify type of meat so i'm a little concerned and also like that sounds like a great meal but not a meal that i want to eat every single day i mean that sounds great to me it's like all of my favorite foods nothing i don't like which is really really hard for me because i'm so picky but i would gladly eat all of that so but my not every day my guess is that the meat is lamb okay i'm cool with that yeah I mean, that's, I that's very Greek too, isn't it? Yeah. So. Do they get like gravy or anything though? I mean, it says barbecue, so there's gotta be something going with it. <laughs> I love the I, I love the idea of the fact that they, somewhere at camp, we don't know where, because who knows where the kitchens are. Um, they have uh, just like a barbecue and a bunch of lambs. <laughs> they just, well, silence <laughs> the lambs, let's slaughter them all. I'm sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> it's one of those as I was saying it, I'm like, that's not gonna go over well. But well, I'm gonna got keep dark in it. a very different way. <laughs> Moving on. Percy is smelling some food. He sees this place. He thinks it's got food, so they go over to it. Uh they can't really tell what it says because of dyslexia, but Grover yeah. says that it's called Auntie M's Garden Gnome Emporium. A couple uh, things I want to mention with this before we get too far into it, because now I'm keeping up with where we are now on the page. I'm very proud of that. Woo. So it says that it's not a restaurant, but looks like a weird roadside curio shop. Have you ever like pulled off on the side of the road and like gone to one of those random places just for fun to see what it's like? No, because we usually drive to our destination and we stop at like McDonald's or Burger King okay. or something on the way there. <laughs> so one year my sibling my aunt and I were doing a road trip back up to her house in Connecticut from South Carolina and we convinced her to pull over and stop at this place called small town America on the side of who knows where in Pennsylvania and it was this huge room with this entire like miniature town that this guy had like hand created and it was so intricate and so cool but then the people got very, very creepy and patriotic in like not a great way. <laughs> and so then we're like, yep, got it, got to get out of here. But, but luckily we weren't attacked by anything. It was just a weird experience that we share in our hearts now. But I, I always wonder about places like that inside the road. They always have such a weird vibe about them. Yeah, that is why we don't stop at those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like you said, like they have a hard time reading the sign and he says that it's in like red neon cursive you remember that yeah. blue sign that we used to have at the food court area on campus blue sign i don't even remember what it's anymore but i could never read it i i like i knew what it said at one point but i like could not read it at all it was terrible that might have been gone before i got here maybe who knows <laughs> i think it spent most of its time after the pandemic started when you weren't here so yeah sorry and I got to um special. Yes, it's also important are. to note though that while no one in this trio can drive and they only have one that can read and that is grover 
I I love the fact that it's like this was written in what 2005 before like yep. the whole like one brain cell meme started but clearly but yeah they only have I, I think they have two brain cells between the two of them Annabeth holds one hostage at, at all times she doesn't use it she just always has it mm-hmm. and then the other one bounces between Percy and uh, Grover <laughs> I support this. I support this. I also want to know how many languages do you think Grover can speak? Because obviously he knows English. We can assume he knows ancient Greek because he exists in that world. And then do you think that satyrs have their own language? Yeah, they have like, bah. Wow. There you go. Yes. Or is there, is there like one goat speak? Is there one animal language or do all the animals have their own? And then like, can he talk to, to the other animals? Oh, this is big brain stuff. I yeah. think that there are multiple animal languages. Mm. Um, some are probably similar, like how, you know, uh, like how there are like the romance languages, how they're all a little intertwined and similar. That's probably like similar to how like maybe goat, sheep, and donkey all sound a little similar. I also love the idea of comparing the romance languages to animal languages. And I think we should just leave it at that. <laughs> I think there's no are better you- way to end this discussion. Are you saying Grover, every time he goes, ah, or like, ah, or makes a noise, that's not romantic to you? <laughs> no, I don't think buying is very romantic for sure. We'll go with okay. that. Clearly we have, <laughs> this is making me sound so terrible and weird. <laughs> no, Lauren. I think we gotta stop now, we gotta move on. So they get to the front of this, roadside building they see a lot of cement animals children there's even a satyr playing some pipes and grover's like oh that looks like my uncle ferdinand like it, that that's creepy and then and grover, as they're about to talk about hmm? grover keeps saying like this is weird uh it smells a little weird we should not be here says percy he smells and monsters yeah percy and annabeth are like there might be a snack bar in there um, your nose is clogged up by furies. We smell burgers. We're hungry. This um, might be one of the moments where Annabeth relinquishes her brain cell and Grover possesses both of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Grover's complaining about how all they smell is meat and he's vegetarian. are the primary. Yes, he's, he's vegetarian and follows that up with aluminum cans are vegetables. So keep keep that in mind, kids. They are, though, right? I mean, they're not a meat, so they're clearly a vegetable. I mean, if we're saying that those are the only two options, then sure. Well, wait, they might be a fruit. Do they have seeds? I don't know. No, wait, no, both have seeds. I don't know anything about food. What is the difference between vegetables and fruits? Fruits have the seeds on... No, no, that's not correct. I don't know. I have no idea. Please let us know what the difference between <laughs> vegetables and fruit are. All I know is I don't eat most of them, so what do I care? Uh, so they eventually <laughs> knock on the door, and the door opens, and a tall Middle Eastern... Actually, they don't even think they knock. Yeah, they do not knock, and the door opens, which is extra creepy. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, they're probably very loudly shouting at each other about what they vegetables are. are, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are children outside her house yelling about vegetables. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's caused to open yeah. the door. So there you go. Um, so a tall Middle Eastern woman opens the door. 
She's wearing a long back gown covering everything but her hands and her head is completely veiled. Uh, Percy can like sort of see her eyes, but can't really. And she speaks with a vague Middle Eastern accent. Mm-hmm. And then she asks them where their parents are. And well, I thought, oh, sorry. I thought you were going to talk about something and then you didn't. So I have to bring it up. Um, oh, okay. This, no, you was written, this was written in 2005, which mm. was four years after 9-11. Oh, so I'm not oh, saying oh, that go here. Okay. I, I didn't know if we were going there, but I feel like I unfortunately I started the conversation to now we're there. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's very indicative of the time that Rick is writing a villain who looks Middle Eastern. Yeah. Which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like the idea that it fits in with like Greek mythology that people in Greek mythology would look like they were from that area, but they would look more Mediterranean then mm-hmm. than Middle yeah, Eastern. Yeah, no, I think part of it makes sense, but we can't talk about that right now because spoilers, so we can revisit at the end if we remember. We'll see if we remember everybody. Um, but I think the choice of Middle Eastern over Mediterranean was an interesting one. And so I do agree with you on that of like, hmm, it's a little bit iffy because obviously you don't write a whole book in one year. This was worked on for a long time, so whether it was conscious or unconscious it is a little bit yeah not, not the greatest or, thing ever yeah or it could just be because she is dressed like that as a woman mm-hmm. wearing uh covering everything that could yes. be another reason that uh yeah she's interpreted as middle eastern but mm-hmm. i figured i would bring that up it's one of yeah, my no, like, no i don't think that's 12 notes because uh, as much as we talk about how awesome Rick is and how we really like him and how we think he's great, we don't want to put him on a pedestal. Um, mm-hmm. No one is immune from, I don't want to say criticism. Yeah, criticism. No one is immune yeah. from criticism or wrongdoing, and we need to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and there definitely are issues with depictions of different races and ethnicities that as they come up, we will talk about, because obviously you can't talk about it before those characters ever show up. But, and as we mentioned earlier yeah. with um, uh, Clarice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, there's, yeah, certain ways with the way, like, so, some characters are portrayed, whether it's race or sexuality or their body type or other things that sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's a little bit cringy. Yeah. So, so could have been done better. Could have been done better. Um, mm-hmm. But moving on. Yeah, I just wanted yes. to mention that. And yeah, no, no, I think, I think the same feeling thing. that I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely did. I just wasn't sure how to talk about it, but I appreciate you you bringing it up. All right, cool. It's still, still an important thing to do. Yeah. So getting back to to the text now, um, Percy tries to come up with a story on the spot of why three young children are out alone this time of night. And he says, they're orphans who got separated from their caravan, specifically their circus caravan. The ringmaster said to meet them at the gas station, but they're lost. Maybe the circus forgot about them altogether or they're at the wrong place. Either way, they're lost. And is that food Percy smells? Which I, <laughs> I uh, seriously, guys, why do you not? Oh my gosh. Like as and I'm they're gl- walking up, they should have like thought of a plan. But I love how um, Annabeth like starts and she just doesn't know what to say and Percy just jumps in he's like I got this Mm -hmm. and with the utmost confidence is like we're orphans separated from our circus caravan nailed it um 
And then and I, once I, I get inside. I love that you brought up earlier the idea. No, oh, sorry. Continue. Oh, I say I love that you brought up earlier the idea, like the one brain cell. Because my note for this was the lack of brain cells to come up with this cover story. And then I love how Annabeth is like, um, once they get inside, she's like circus caravan, and Bert is like always have a strategy, right? Like he's clearly proud of this, and Annabeth just he's like, like trying to like egg her on too. Yeah, and Annabeth's like, your head is full of kelp. You're an idiot. That is the stupidest story ever, mm-hmm. and it is. But she couldn't come up with anything. So yeah, I mean, somebody's got to have a plan in this group. If it's not her, this may be one of Percy's terrible ideas. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, so they walk into this warehouse. And there are more and more and more and more statues, uh, different poses, different outfits, different expressions on their face. Uh, they're all life-size though. But mm-hmm. Percy's a little single focus, uh, single-minded, thinking about the food. Um, and then Percy says, go ahead, call me an idiot for walking to a strange lady's shop like that. But I do impulsive stuff sometimes. Plus, you've never smelled Auntie M's burgers. And all I could think of is like, what's the best burger I've ever smelled? And I'm like, yeah, I think I would walk into a strange lady's house for that. <laughs> oh, no. Did your parents not instill stranger danger into you as a child? They did, but also burgers. Mm. Yes, burgers. burgers. Well, I mean, the greatest burger I've ever had is one my mom made, so I'm safe there. I think there's a place near me that does sliders, and those are very, very good. And it's like mm. a very tiny place, so... They just can't do COVID restrictions because you physically cannot be six feet apart from people in there. Um, mm-hmm. But that place, oh, I love that place. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes a McDonald's burger, while not the best in the world, at like midnight is the best thing. Oh my gosh. I can see you're, <laughs> you do not agree with me on that I'm one. cringing so hard, but it's fine. Moving it's fine. on. But I think it is important to mention though, just like how many times... Percy keeps bringing up the food, how great this food smells. He says the aroma was like laughing gas in the dentist chair. It makes everything else go away. Yeah, he's and, very, very distracted yes. by the food. And if it wasn't this book, you might think, okay, wow, that's just some really great food, huh? But as we know, nothing great is ever really happening at any given moment. Usually there's some, some bad aspects. So this is very concerning. The idea of the food, the smell of the food being like laughing gas and making him forget everything else. Like that's not a good sign. Oh yeah, that's, you should be concerned. Um, I'm very concerned. Most of my notes are just me screaming, so. So, (laughs) Grover's like, Auntie M invites them to sit, and Grover's like, we don't have any money, and Percy's like, that was the wrong thing to say, dude, but Auntie M is like, no, no, it's okay, they're such nice orphans, I'll give you food, which is like, nice, creepy, but nice, Mm -hmm. um, and then Auntie M notices Annabeth and does not like her. Uh, yeah. She sort of just like stiffens up, looks at her and like gives her the side eye. And then is all of a sudden just like, oh, okay, Annabeth, you have such beautiful gray eyes, which like, they didn't tell them her name. And yeah, no, Percy someone... says it only later, he realized that they never said their names and she exactly. knew Annabeth. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but also anytime, I've, maybe I've watched too much Criminal Minds or like, uh, criminal shows but anytime anyone like comments on your eye color they're either a too close or b thinking about pulling your eyes out of your head um okay. in my from what I've seen in criminal minds at least well that's making me rethink a lot about how I conduct myself in my life because I really like people's eyes I think they're cool to look at oh 
Well, that's a you versus me thing. <laughs> Clearly, you have not watched as much Criminal Minds. And also, okay, do the monsters do, okay. I mean, we know that she's a monster because she's giving them food and it's very creepy and normal humans don't <laughs> She do knows that. their names, yeah. Yes. But do you think monsters have like a, like, uh, like a yearbook of demigods or something? I'm trying to think of like a word. <laughs> or like a phone booth of demigods. And that's how they all, they know all their mm-hmm. names and like recognize them. Like I, I have questions like, yeah, you, sir, um, Auntie M is like sniffing near Annabeth so she can tell that they're demigods. But like, how do they know their names? That's yeah. my concern. Well, that's a good question. Cause obviously with like great heroes, then we're, we're going to be passed around about them, but this is her first time out. So you'd think that no one really knows about her yet. She doesn't have really any street cred yet with the monsters. So I wonder if they have, like specific sense, like the demigods that they have, like the specific heroes have their own variation and somehow they're able to figure well, out more info about them. Maybe they can well, we talked about that. We talked about that last episode with like, yeah, uh, smell or last episode, two episodes ago. I can't remember now. Yeah. Uh, about like, even beyond specific the parents, godly parents, but more like specific to them as an individual. Well, probably, yeah, because everyone smells different. But I mean, yeah. they all live in the same place. They all eat the same food. They all use the same showers. They all wear the same clothes. They all probably use the same soap, sh- shampoo, and well, conditioner. I mean, so they I all mean, probably we're, we're smell not talking the same. About, we're not talking about soap smells, though. We're talking about something like magical and inherent yeah, to no, demigods no, like, and monsters. No, but like, they all the siblings probably smell the same because they are from the same parent. And then on top of that, because they're using all the same products, probably. They all probably smell the same. Okay. Because let's be real, they probably have like, they don't, I'm not saying they share a soap bar, but they probably don't have like their own individual stuff that can't have oh, that's blood. so gross. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Oh, so gross. I'm sorry. Either way, this woman knows who they are. <laughs> and that's yes. concerning. So, and then she starts to cook food for the three of them. And Grover notices a hissing noise. But Annabeth and Percy don't seem to hear anything. And Auntie M just tries to say that, oh, it's just the deep fryer oil. And she comments on how keen Grover's ears are. I love that he then says, I take vitamins for my ears. I just love that note. It's just so cute to me. Do you not take ear vitamins? Also, <laughs> what a good boy taking his vitamins every day. Yeah, for his ears. Um. Or his ears might get worse as the quest goes on if he isn't taking his vitamins anymore. Ooh, maybe, maybe. Mm. Um, I also love the fact that she calls him admirable for taking the ear vitamins. Yes. Uh, So she's just sort of watching them eat. She Uh, still has the the head covering on, though. Says that she doesn't take it off for cooking. And they're all, the three kids are eating and she's just sitting there watching them through the veil but has not taken it off. Yes. Um... Percy tries to like talk to her because he's a nice boy and he's Mm -hmm. so he's asking her about like her job and the the gnomes and she says that they're custom orders and that she hasn't gotten much business since the highway was built so she has to cherish every customer. Um, (laughs) Percy feels like someone watching him so he looks behind him and it's just a statue of a young girl holding an Easter basket and everything about the statue was very detailed except for her face which is just looking startled or terrified and auntie m says yes the the faces are the hardest to get right um they're marred they do not sell um 
And first she's like, oh, you make them yourself. And she's like, yes, once upon a time, I had two sisters to help me, but they have passed on. Now I only have these statues. And Percy like feels bad for her because he was raised right. Mm-hmm. Annabeth, that brain cell starting to like come in yes. handy. She, she started like, to wake up out of the food fog. Yes, because she's starting to put two and two together when she mentions two sisters and Auntie M is on a roll now. She's telling her story and she says that um, a bad woman was jealous of her because she had a boyfriend and this bad woman was in ter- determined to break us up. Um, she caused a terrible accident. My sister stayed with me, but um, I no longer am with them. And Percy is like, that's so terrible. How could anyone hurt you? You're so nice. And yeah, Anna's and like, Percy, we should go. We should go. The ringmaster is waiting for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Auntie M is still commenting on Amba's eyes and says specifically, it's been a long time since I've seen gray eyes like those. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then she strokes she strokes her cheek, which is like gross. Very, very, very creepy and yes. gross and weird yep. and really a sign that you should leave. Grover yeah, is now trying to convince them to leave also. Yeah, Grover wakes up ringmaster, too. Yes. The ringmaster is waiting for them. But first, Auntie M says, before you go, won't you at least sit for a pose? And she says that children are very popular. Like everyone loves statues of children. And so it would mean so much to her if they would pose. And Annabeth isn't really here for it. But Percy's like, you're being so rude. Like she just gave us food. Like we can do this one thing for her. And it's so just Annabeth- just a photo. What's yeah, the harm? It's just a photo. Yep. <laughs> Famous last words. What's the harm? And so Annabeth no, gives in. And oh, we oh we forgot to mention earlier that when they first came in to get to get the food, she locked the door behind them. Oh yes, she did. She did. Oof. She locked the Watch door. Watch out for that. So, but but now Jersey now, is now, not that dangerous. You don't need to lock your door that often. <laughs> yeah, but now now they're back outside. Now they're outside in the front yard, but the door was locked previously, and Percy didn't notice it because again of the food fog. Food fog. <laughs> yep. So she positions them for the photo. And while she's doing this, Percy comments, oh, there's not, there's not enough light for a photo. This doesn't seem like a great setup. And she's like, oh no, there's enough light to see each other. And Grover says, where's the camera? And she completely ignores that question. And this is making me think of like Red Riding Hood. It's like, oh, what big eyes you have? Like the better to see you. What big teeth you have? Like that whole, it's making me think of that. Nice. And Grover's looking back at that statue of the satyr from earlier when they first got there. He's like, that sure does look like Uncle Ferdinand. And Auntie Anne's like, oh, Grover, look over here, please look over here. And, and Percy notices she still doesn't have a camera. And Percy's slowly starting to wake up. He's trying to get his brain moving, but the food fog and Auntie Anne's magical voice, beautiful voice is still captivating him. And then she says, oh, just one moment. I can't see you too well with this, this veil. And she's like thinking about taking it off. And Anna's still freaking out. There's still something wrong here. And Grover suddenly is like, that is Uncle Ferdinand. And Anna's like, all right, that's it. That, that, that's, that's the moment. That's the last straw. And she throws on her hat. So she's now invisible and tosses the boys to the ground and tells them to not look at Auntie M. So it's going down now, guys. It and is. so so Percy is like thrown to the ground and he can he looks up a little bit and he can see Auntie M's hands have transformed 
and she now has bronze talons for fingernails and Amber shouts at him to not look up any further and he so basically hear- we're learning mm-hmm. that we should have trusted Grover from the beginning when he said yes. it smelled like yeah trust yes. Grover Grover yes. knows if you best. hear the words it smells like monsters that means you don't go there <laughs> yeah, exactly so unless it's like the underworld and you're intentionally trying to go there <laughs> yeah I imagine that place smells a lot like monsters but anyway Probably. so Percy doesn't look up further but he can hear the sound of tiny snakes about where Antium's head should be yeah and Grover throws on his flying shoes so he's now roaming about in the sky but Percy's still down in front of her and she says it'd be such a pity to destroy a handsome young face stay with me all you have to do is look up and so Percy's trying so hard not to look at her and his brain brain starting to work again he turns to the side and sees like one of those like gazing balls that people put in their yards look all fancy so it's reflective and see yeah. her headdress is gone her hair is moving like snakes and he thinks Auntie M, Auntie Letter M. And he's like, oh, how could I have been so stupid? It's obviously Medusa. Oh, no. And I thought um, he had told Percy this story. Like when, when they were in the cab and talking about the rivalry between Athena and Poseidon and like what all Poseidon did to Athena. That was, like, that was this morning. That was yes, that was that morning. She told Perse the story of Poseidon taking his girlfriend Medusa to Athena's temple. And if Annabeth had just used the word Medusa, maybe Percy could have put it together. Like that, that's what triggered it for Annabeth and made her realize what was going on or start to think, think about what was going on. I thought she had said the word Medusa. No, she just said Poseidon. She Poseidon took his girlfriend. Really? Yeah. Oh yes, you're right. Yep. You are right. Right. Maybe if Ambas didn't objectify women and only think of them as the girlfriend of men, uh, then we wouldn't be in the situation. Come on, Anna. It's fine. <laughs> um, so Percy then thinks, how did Medusa die in the original myth? Uh, because she had died once. And that's very important to know because that could help. And But mm-hmm. her head had been cut off by his namesake, Perseus, while Medusa was asleep. And I, I, I think this is really important. Um, that he's thinking of his namesake Perseus because he was named specifically after him. Perseus was the son of Zeus, but he was named after him, which I love the little like Sally Jackson of like, what's a Greek mythology name that I can name my son after that would not get him beat up a lot in in, uh, in elementary school. Mm. So I just want to say that I love the way you're pronouncing it, Perseus. Is it like Perseus? Because that's how I've always said it. Perseus. Oh, yes. I, I don't know, because Percy is the son of the sea god, so Perseus, but yeah. I, it's like one of those I always forget, They're like, yeah. how do you pronounce it, Nevada or Nevada? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh um, it, dep- it, depends on, it depends on the surrounding sentence, but I always say Perseus, but important thing to note here, and so, some of the background, the name will come later on, but Perseus means to destroy, and so there's one, I idea I saw in the fandom of like when Sally was picking a name there's Perseus as like the hero and she wants her boy to be successful and all that in life but it's also like to destroy as in like if you come after my boy he and I together will destroy you 
Oh yeah. So oh, she's yeah. like sending a message to the gods. It's like she knows what's up, and she's here to kick some butt if she has to. Yeah. She and Percy both. So Medusa starting her I'm evil so I'm gonna rant uh rant so she's saying that the gray-eyed one did this to her uh Annabeth's mother the cursed Athena and Annabeth's like don't listen to her because she's evil um and Medusa's like don't worry Percy I'll make you a statue and you will be young and this handsome forever I'm going to destroy Annabeth's statue because her mom is a terrible person and I hate her mom, which is like, you know, valid. Mm -hmm. And then she says, uh, do you really want to help the god, the gods? Do you understand what awaits you on this foolish quest? What will happen if you reach the underworld? Do not be a pawn of the Olympians, my dear. You'll be better off as a statue. Less pain, less pain. And we had heard this literally two chapters ago about Percy being a pawn of the Olympians. Like he is being controlled mm-hmm. by the gods to do their bidding in this war. Yeah, this is also the second time Percy has been offered an out from this quest. The first being a dolphin from Dionysus, the second being a statue from Medusa. So, you know, he's got options. He's, he's got lots of options here. Would you prefer yeah. being a statue or a dolphin, do you think? Dolphin. <laughs> I agree. Did not have to think about it. Dolphin. <laughs> I mean, do you think that they're, they're conscious, these statues, or are they just like frozen in time? The fact that she wants to destroy Annabeth's makes me think that like there's some part that's conscious under there mm-hmm. or some part that's alive underneath because why else would you destroy her except to give it less pain except to cause her more pain um, yeah. or but it's also like if you're turning completely a statue and then you can destroy it to dust then that implies that there is no consciousness in there and they're dead already. Mm-hmm. Which, like, depending on how painful the actual transformation is, that might not be, like, a painful, painful death or how long the actual transformation takes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's an interesting idea. I mean, of course, it could just be that she wants to destroy just for the sake of destroying it, like, the idea behind it versus it actually being painful. For funsies. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be fun to destroy a statue. For, for the, pr- the principle of the matter. Um, and Grover is, has somewhere along the line, picked up a tree branch the size See, of a baseball bat. Grover doesn't need a weapon. He's resourceful. He will find one when the time comes. True. And he is <laughs> dive bombing and hitting Medusa with this baseball bat. Um, and he's yelling at Percy to duck. And Percy thinks to himself, knowing Grover, he's going to hit me instead of Medusa. Yeah. Well, I mean, he so, has to keep his eyes closed so he doesn't get turned into a statue. So yeah. he's going to swing wildly and hope for the best. Yeah. So Grover hits her, says, that was for Uncle Ferdinand, <laughs> and goes back again and hits her again. And Percy is sort of like on the ground somewhere with his eyes closed. And then just trying to Annabeth, crawl away. Yeah, Annabeth just like appears next to him, um, becomes invisible, and tells Percy that she, he has to cut the head off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Percy's, Percy says, what are you crazy? Let's get out of here, which I want to put this out, that um, we often paint Percy as like the hero of heroes, the best of the best. And here he is wanting to run away. He is mm-hmm. totally cool leaving Medusa here. And it's Annabeth who points it out that we can't leave Medusa here because um, if we leave Medusa here, she's just going to keep killing people. So mm-hmm. we need to kill her. And Percy is like, oh, fine. Like, yeah, whatever. Important thing I want to mention with this. So 
at first Annabeth's like, well, I would do it myself. It's just like, give up this idea of her being the one to do it because Percy has the better weapon. So first part I want to mention with this is the idea of someone trying to decapitate someone else with a knife. <laughs> and I'm glad that she realizes how unrealistic that is and that Percy would have a much better chance with the sword. And yes. also when she says like Percy has a chance actually to get in and kill Medusa, Percy's like, what? I can't. And you could say it comes down to he's where he doesn't have the skill or maybe he's freaked out by the idea of intentionally killing someone because so far he hasn't really had to think about, it. he hasn't had a chance to think about it. like with Mrs. Dawes in the museum and the Minotaur and the theories on the bus, they didn't give him a chance to think about it. He had to protect himself. Now he has the option to run away without killing or staying and killing her to protect people that might be coming in the future. So he has to like consciously make that choice now of killing her. Not even though she's a monster, she still presents in the beginning as human. And you could also say like, maybe she saw some power over him, like with the- Yeah. He has to make that choice of, is he going to kill or not? Yeah, and I think it was also about like, is he going to risk his life or not? Because it's not just about killing a monster, it's about putting his life on the line for others. It's about putting himself in danger without knowing what the outcome is going to be. Uh, yeah. But he does. He does decide to take the stuff up when Annabeth tells him to. A lot of layers so, to this. Yes. So Annabeth tells him to grab, he, Annabeth gives him the green gazing ball um, and says a bunch of sciencey words uh, that we're not going to. It's going to be awkward to carry around. Like your sword in one hand, the ball in the other. You can't yeah. look directly at Medusa. You just have to stare into that and like wave around wildly. Yeah. Percy talks about that. Like he says as he's walking towards her with the thing, he's like, if she decides to just ambush me, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and <laughs> Grover's like, I think I knocked her out. He did not knock her out. And no. he's trying so hard, though. He's just flying around blindly, hitting everything and not oh, yeah. in sight, but everything he can reach. Um, and as Percy's about to go in, Grover goes in for another pass. Medusa grabs the sticks, uh, the stick, and throws him off course and into a stone, the arms of a stone grizzly bear. Uh, so as Medusa is about to lunge towards Grover, Percy is like, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me, um, and walks towards her. And he says, like, looking at it, it's just, you can see the ugly, ugly Medusa snakes. Ew. Yeah. I cannot and, cute. But her her voice is still speaking to him. His her voice is still like that beautiful, intoxicating voice that she had been speaking in earlier, telling him, You wouldn't harm an old woman. You wouldn't hurt me. You'll just turn around and look at me. You'll be stone and you will be safe and you won't be a pawn. Blah blah blah. I'm evil. I'm monologuing. <laughs> and then she lunges at him. And Percy just eyes closed, swings, and thankfully hits. Uh, I just see how proud I am of him for doing this. Like, I'm just trying to blow dry my hair sometimes looking in the mirror, and I still move my arm in the wrong direction. But he's able, looking at a curved surface, which is going to throw you off even more, has to swing behind him and gets proper aim, proper force, and like fully decapitates her in one swing. Oh yeah, Percy's like, the good best. Good job, man. Good job. Um, 
something falls to the ground near his foot and he can feel little snakes tugging on his shoelaces, which is a disgusting image. Uh, and Annabeth explains that the head is still there because it's a spoil of war. So it doesn't, it's like a spoil of war. It's yours now because you were the one who killed her. And, but it still can petrify you. So don't look at it. Uh, which, Percy, which can be helpful. Which can be helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. So Percy thanks. He's like, he doesn't thank Grover, but he gives like Grover like a, hey, you know, that was really great. Thanks for helping. Like, you were really awesome there, which I think is really cute and really awesome. He calls him the Red Baron. It's like, yes, Percy, come up with your own nicknames. Good job. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they put Medusa's head into a couple of plastic bags. And then they put it on the table where they eat, ate dinner and just sit around it, too exhausted to speak. And Percy's like, so we have Athena to thank for that. Annabeth is like, uh, no, it's your dad's fault. Uh, mm-hmm. And you and were so the one. she connects it back to their earlier conversation from the exactly. cat that we talked about. Like they were working together so well for a couple seconds and then all of a sudden they're fighting again. Yeah. Um, and she's like, and it's, she's like, and you were the one who wanted us to sit here and do the pose and he's like whatever you're impossible and Grover is like can you guys shut up for 10 <laughs> poor seconds. Grover has to rein them back in and get everybody under control I feel so bad for Grover having yep. to deal with all this <laughs> and then Percy is thinking back on what Medusa said of don't be a pawn of the Olympians my dear you would be better off as a statue and he's a little bit upset by everything he's had to deal with so far and he decides he's going to do something about it so he goes to find medusa's office and casually conveniently smart idea though finds her account book which includes shipments to hades and persephone's garden in the underworld so it also includes their address on the surface level in california how convenient so he (laughs) what would they have done if they didn't find the address like I'm assuming Chiron should know where the underworld, the entrance in the underworld is, but doesn't tell them. So yeah. what? They just all he said were, was LA, which is not a small yeah. city. Like what was supposed to happen when they got to LA? Like were they supposed to just like stumble across it somehow, maybe hopefully? Like, yep. I just I'm very curious about what would have happened if they didn't yeah. find this address. Yeah. Who knows? So in addition to swiping the address, he also gets an unused Hermes Overnight Express packing slip, 20 bucks in cash, which is going to get them really far, and some gold drachmas. And also a packing box. So he comes back to the picnic table, he picks up Medusa's head, puts it in the box, and fills out the delivery slip saying, to the gods, Mount Olympus, Best wishes, Percy Jackson, which is just like, what a bold, bold move, sir, that can go so wrong so fast, but you're doing it. So, you know, you do you, man. And then Grover says, they're not going to like that. They, they'll think you're impertinent. And then Percy says, I am impertinent, which <laughs> I don't want to say that Percy, I don't want to like say something bad about Percy because, you know, he's not an idiot. But I truly believe that Percy didn't know what impertinent meant. And was just like, sure, I'm impertinent. I love that more than him knowing what impertinent means. And I impertinent- think it's sort of as like a, a moment of him being like defiant. Yeah. And like, they put me through all this terrible stuff and like no one thinks that I'm going to be successful. Well, I just killed Medusa. So what now? But it's also saying that like 
he's also a little pissed because he mm-hmm. suddenly has to not only is he dealing with the god's mess because of the quest and everything and the lightning thief and everything but he's also cleaning up the god's mess here because hermes medusa uh not medusa hermes hades and persephone clearly all knew that medusa was here and killing mm-hmm. people so what other gods knew so yeah. Percy's saying you didn't take care of your stuff your uh you didn't take care of your garbage i take care of your garbage you know what here i don't care he's a little um, salty right now and i, and I support him for is. that he is uh by the way impertinent according to google means not showing proper respect or rude yeah which is what he he is that yeah i but think it's also, i think it's, like why why should i show respect for this group of people that have never really tried to help me or all of these people that medusa turn into statues like exactly <laughs> i think it's more about the not showing proper respect than the rude because yeah, yeah he's being rude but it's more about him he's not respectful because they're not respectful mm-hmm. it's like that idea of like you want me to show you respect when you haven't earned it you want me to show you respect just because you're the gods and you're all powerful but that doesn't mean i should respect you because yeah. maybe you need someone to not be respectful so that way you become a better person yeah percy's not going to blindly kneel to anyone and this is his way of showing that exactly but i also love how he looks at Annabeth, like expecting her no he says daring her to criticize he's in a mood right now he is oh, in he a is. mood and i'm here for it but it looks like she's just give it up on the idea of him prevent of preventing him from doing anything he she's just resigned herself to the idea that he has this major talent for taking off the gods and he's going to use it and all she says is come on we need a new plan yes <laughs> which is the perfect way to end this chapter and to yeah. end this episode yes um like yeah haven't really gotten any further they just it, well no no they, they did get the address they yeah, did get so the address so that's and important. they have money now again they have 20 bucks <laughs> And I love how, like, the first, like, there was a period of chapters where it was just, like, stuff was happening, but stuff wasn't happening. And now we have two chapters in a row with, like, fighting and adventure a lot of and action. action. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we're going to calm down next chapter for, the next chapter is chapter 12, Get Advice from a Poodle. Mm-hmm. It's also less than 10 pages, so I imagine next week might be a little bit shorter, unless we figure out a way to fill it with unrelated talk. Yes. <laughs> and take up the whole time again. Um, I just remembered because at one point we said something you'd when we were talking about Medusa being oh, yes. uh, Middle Eastern and yes, yes. you said if, yes I'm glad you brought that back up again yeah so obviously with the veil aspect that idea of a headdress is at least from an American standpoint like we do associate that with Muslim with people who are Muslim and from that area of the world and so that could, could be part of why Percy assumed that she's Middle Eastern but it does, it's an easy cover up for what she actually is. You know, you gotta, you gotta hide that gross stuff somehow. Yes. And so, yeah. So looking at it after, it does make sense that she would wear that. It's just unfortunate all of it put together. Yes, it is. And it's also, again, we don't know what Rick Raiden's intention was. Um, mm-hmm. That's just uh, one interpretation of it. Yeah, no, it, it could have just come down to really unfortunate timing and yeah all the things that happened after 9-11 as far as the way white people in the U.S. began to view people of darker skin tone making assumptions about people automatically which is still going on today and really terrible so yes. it would have been nice if if a different locale had been chosen for this especially someone who that didn't turn out to then be a villain but it's what we got so yes yeah 
but yeah, well, so feel free to share your thoughts on that. If you, if you feel so inclined, we would love to hear them yes. over on our, our Instagram, which you'll hear about at the end, but yes. you know, rate, rate, review, and subscribe. I said rate, that. <laughs> I yes, remember. Rate, rate, review, subscribe, preferably <laughs> positive ones. Um, yep. But you can leave what anything because we take criticism. Yes. Thank you so much yes. for listening. Once again, I am Lauren. And I'm Lachlan. And this was episode 11 of We Accidentally Vaporize Our Podcast. Thank I'll you see so you much. See you next week. Bye. Hi, everyone. It's Lachlan again. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Accidentally Vaporize Our Podcast. Lauren told me to tell you to follow our one and only social media account at Accidentally Vaporized Pod on Instagram to get updates about when we post a new episode, to learn more about Lauren and I, and anything else we might come up with. See you there soon.